This morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. We are going to begin our reading at verse 9 and then read through the end of this chapter. Romans 12, beginning at verse 9. What we hear now is God's word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Psalter hymnals to page 53 in the back section. This is Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 40. And this morning we'll read together questions 105 through 107. I'll read the question. You may respond together with the answer. From page 53, Lord's Day 40, question 105. What is God's will for us in the sixth commandment? I am not to belittle, insult, hate, or kill my neighbor, not by my thoughts, my words, my look, or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds. And I am not to be party to this in others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. Prevention of murder is also why government is armed with the sword. Question 106, does this commandment refer only to killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness. In God's sight, all such are murder. Question 107, is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No, 
by condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly to him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Well, we are looking together at the second table of the law of God, those laws that deal with our relationship to those around us. And we saw last time that when we get to the second table of the law, we are really talking about things that are countercultural. The culture tells us, uh, look out for number one. Take care of yourself first. Whereas the law of God tells us, we are to be concerned We are to care about those around us, those with whom we come in contact. And that is certainly the case with the Sixth Commandment. It deals with care and concern for those around us. I think that um, when we get to the Sixth Commandment, you shall not murder, uh, it's easy for us to, in some ways, take this commandment for granted. I know uh, that I have not taken anyone's life. Uh, I know that um, I have not done anything to to, uh, remove them from this earth. I own a few weapons, but haven't used them on anyone. Uh, So uh, I kind of feel with this commandment, you know, I I think I've got this one. Uh, Sixth commandment, you should not murder. I think I'm okay. Let's move on to something else. But it's, it's important for us to remember that while the law of God does have a particular focus, a narrow focus, it also has a broader focus. And the Heidelberg Catechism helps us to see that. Jesus himself did that in the Sermon on the Mount. He gave the broader focus of the law. You have heard it said this, but I'm telling you, this is what it means. There's an expanse in the law. And so even though I have never taken anyone's life, I still fall under the condemnation of the sixth commandment because it talks about more than just our actions it talks about our thoughts where our heart is at behind those actions and that's what paul is getting at in romans chapter 12 verse 9 he says this let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good and at the end of this section verse 21 do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good evil and good are at the heart of the sixth commandment but i not allow evil to dwell in my heart but i overcome the evil even the evil done to me with good toward others god calls us this morning to overcome evil with good. And as I said, that doesn't begin, first of all, with our actions. That begins by looking at our hearts. Our action flows out of our heart. Our confession says this in question 106. Does this commandment refer only to killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder. Envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness. Now, the Sixth Commandment deals not only with the outward action of killing someone, but the inward roots of murder. Envy. An ungodly desire for what someone else has. 
an ungodly desire for what God has given to them. Why do they get that and I don't get that? And it makes us angry. And that anger festers and we, we are murderous in our hearts. Hatred, ill will toward those around us, wishing the worst for someone else rather than their best. This is the root of murder in our hearts, vindictiveness, really wanting others to, to get what they deserve. They have it coming to them, a vindictive spirit. And when I find those things dwelling in my heart, I have violated the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. What do we hold in our hearts? Only we know that. Only God knows that. We can hide it from everybody else around us. But what do we hold in our hearts? Do we take a secret joy or delight when others come into difficulty, into hardship in their lives? That is the root of murder. That must be rooted out. All such, our confession says, all such in God's sight are murder. The actions and the thoughts, the heart thoughts from which they proceed. Even though we've never taken a life, we can be guilty of violating the sixth commandment. And that, that, that heart expresses itself in a variety of ways. That's how our confession begins in 105. What's God's will in the sixth commandment? That I not belittle, insult, hate, or kill my neighbor by thoughts or words or looks or gestures or certainly not by actual deeds. Thoughts or words or looks or gestures. Our thoughts toward others, our, our thoughts toward those around us. We say it's so hard to control our thoughts. How do you control what you think about somebody? But we know that God has given us his spirit, and his spirit is a spirit of self-control. We can learn to control those thoughts, that they not be wicked toward other people, but looking at the best in others, overcoming evil with good. Our words, our words are so powerful. They are able to cut so much deeper than any knife. How we talk to other people, how we talk about other people, are we there to cut them down? Or are our words that which builds others up, like apples of silver and settings of gold? How we speak to and about those with whom we come in contact. Our looks, our gestures, the hatred that, that remains within our hearts. Where is my heart at this morning? Now, this call to examine our hearts is is toward all those we come in contact with. With some people, it's very, very easy to be cordial and have good thoughts toward them, but, but some people uh, are difficult. We are all sinners, we're all fallen. And so for all those with whom we come in contact, where is our heart at this morning? And when we look at that, maybe the commandment isn't quite so easy. Maybe it's not so simple to say, yeah, I, I've got this one taken care of. Because it's not only a matter of my hands, it's a matter of my heart. What do I hold inside? What, 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 what anger, what envy, what vindictiveness toward others around me? We're called to examine our hearts, and that will, of course, of course overflow in how we live, how we act toward others. 
And we see that the, the commandment and the sixth commandment, as many, all of them do, they tell us what we should not do, and they tell us what we should do. We must not injure those around us. Now, Paul in Romans has been dealing up to this point, up to chapter 12, with a number of very wonderful theological matters. But in chapter 12, he makes a bit of a switch. And he begins to say, now, how does your theology apply itself in real ways? What's the application of all the truth that you know? And that's where he's taking us in chapter 12. Look at verse 19. He says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Even when provoked, we are not to avenge ourselves. When someone comes against us with harsh words or harsh actions, Paul says, you don't take revenge. Don't avenge yourself. Be gentle. Be self-controlled. Don't, don't, don't fly off the handle. Don't let a, a string of words come out of your mouth. But control your anger. Control your response. Do not avenge yourself, Paul says. But leave it to the Lord. Just because we take no revenge, we don't avenge ourselves, does not mean that, that no vengeance is taken. God is the one who we leave the venge to, avenging to. And God gives us that instruction, never avenge yourselves, Leave it to him. Because so often, we are so petty in our desire for revenge. We are so quick to want revenge against someone who has spoken or done something against us. We want a pound of revenge for an ounce of offense. No, God, God will take vengeance, not us. We are so petty in our desires and we do not know true justice. Uh, our judgment is not perfect. It is fallen, it is sinful, but God's is perfect. And our, 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 our text reminds us, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So it is not for us to take revenge and think people have gotten away with it. God will repay, either in this life or the next. He will take the vengeance. We must not injure those around us by our desire for revenge. Rather, just the opposite. We are to live peacefully, not injuring others. Verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Not injuring them, but being at peace with them. Not holding grudges against others. Holding a grudge is so um, self-defeating. When we hold a grudge in our heart against someone else, it may hurt them, but even more so, it hurts us. We are the ones who are always rolling that thing around in our mind and, and hoping that they get their just due, and, and we trouble ourselves. Don't hold grudges against your brothers and sisters. Live peaceably. We cannot control someone else. We cannot control their actions. But God, by His Spirit, gives us the Spirit to control ourselves, our hearts, our actions. Do not seek to injure others around us. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now Paul says, if it is possible, 
we know there are times where it's simply not possible to be at peace. Times when the gospel is at stake. And we must stand for the truth of the word of God. But that's very, very different than saying that somehow my comfort or my desires are of the same level. And even when we do stand for the truth of God's word, we pray that we not give needless offense. May the offense fall on Christ and what he has done, not on us. Even then, we are to be gracious and as far as possible, live peaceably with those around us. We are not to injure those with whom we come in contact. But even that is not enough. It's not enough to respond gently when provoked. It's not enough to say that God will take vengeance. It's not enough to live at peace. We actually have to promote and protect the good of our neighbor. That's question 107. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No, that's not enough. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly to him, to protect him from all harm as much as possible, and to do good even to our enemies. We must protect our neighbor. Paul begins this section, verse 9, love must be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. We must protect our neighbor, have their best interest in our hearts. Be honorable towards them. And Paul even say, try to outdo each other in honoring others. We must be concerned and, and protect. And, and one of the ways we do that is to pray for them. Look at verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. He's talking about relationships, about putting, overcoming evil with good, praying for those around us. Especially praying for those with whom we disagree with whom we are perhaps at odds. Be in prayer for them, protect God, that God will protect them. Because it is very, very difficult, if not impossible, to both pray for God's blessing on someone and hold a grudge against them in your heart. Pray for them, for God's blessing upon them. God may not only bless them, He may bless us as well by removing that anger, that envy, that vindictiveness from our own hearts. We can't pray that God bless them, and we hope that they be cursed. Pray for those. Again, it doesn't mean that those who do things uh, will get away with them. In fact, Paul's going to go on to talk about that, how God has put a structure in society. God has put authority in society that those who are evildoers will not get away with it. Even in this world, go on to chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one in authority? Then do what is good 
and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. God has put structure, he's put order in society. We are not to take vengeance, but God has put a structure and authority, and even the state does not bear the sword in vain. He is a minister of God. We are called to protect our neighbor, to be concerned about our neighbor. Again, from verse 9, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another with a brotherly affection. We are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Well, we know how much we love ourselves. We are very self-interested. We want the, the, the best for ourselves. We are to love our neighbor in that way, wanting the best for them, that God bless them, God provide for them. We are to pray for them and encourage them. Verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. So our praying overflows into our providing. We pray that God would bless them, and then we pray that God would use us to bless them. And if they are hungry, we give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, we give them something to drink. We ourselves do all we can for our neighbor's good. And then... Paul includes this very strange phrase at the end of verse 20. He says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now that's a strange phrase. Uh, you probably recognize that as coming from the book of Proverbs, chapter 25. What is Paul getting at here? Uh, by, by caring for our enemies, we'll hurt heap burning coals on their heads. Well, I think some have misapplied this and said, I really want to have coals on their heads so I'm going to be really good to them. Okay, that's the wrong heart spirit. That's not what we're supposed to have. What is Paul getting at? This, this strange phrase, you will heap burning coals on their heads, has, has a reference to them being ashamed, uh, red-faced, by the good we have done for them. That when we are so good, even to those with whom we disagree, even to our enemies, when we are so good toward them and protect them and care for them, our enemies will be ashamed and, and really shamed into reconciliation. How could I hold this against this person? We are shamed into reconciling and being at one again. This is overcoming evil with good. It flows from my heart, and God uses it to change my brother's heart. This is God's call to us. Overcome evil with good, because that is how God has dealt with us. We were enemies of God. We were those who were maligning Him. We were those who were refusing to heed His call. And yet he comes to us and he does not repay evil for evil. He doesn't say, well, you're gone then. But God himself overcomes our evil with his good. God is the one who, when we were hungry, gave us the bread of life, Jesus Christ. When we were thirsty, he gives us the living water, Jesus Christ. And that, that awareness of all that God has done for us should bring us to confession. 
It should humble our hearts. We're entering into the week when this coming Friday we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. As we prepare for that, we reflect on our own lives and what we have done. We reflect on our sin and what we have done. But as we reflect on that, it's easy for us to get callous to our own sins. I would suggest you also reflect upon the glorious grace of God. What He has done for you. All the goodness He has showered upon you. And seeing what God has done, may our hearts be humbled. Humbled to confession. We who are so unworthy, we who deserve nothing from Him. And yet he comes and gives us his own son, Jesus Christ. He who would go to death that we might have life. We reflect on the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God. And our hearts are humbled. It's as if there is coals upon our heads bringing us to confession. A shame for our pettiness. A shame for our vindictiveness. A shame for our desire for revenge. Our unwillingness to overcome evil with good. No, God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to completely wash and cleanse us of all the, the ugliness of our hearts. And He makes that call once again today. If you are still allowing evil to, to overcome evil, if you are allowing that evil to remain inside of you, confess that. Embrace Jesus Christ. Know what He has done for you. And know the joy the joy of belonging to the Lord because God has overcome the evil within with the good of His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a week of preparation, a week to look forward to, to what we will celebrate this coming Good Friday night. And God calls us, you shall not murder. You shall overcome evil with good. Where we have failed to do so, may God be merciful. May He humble us in confession. May we be restored to full fellowship with Him and with our neighbors, not only those we get along with, but those who are difficult, those who are hard. Do this even for your enemies, we're told. You shall not murder. Not necessarily an easy commandment. It deals not just with the works of my hands. It deals with the attitude of my heart. Oh, may God humble us. We may truly love Him we may truly love our neighbor. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your law. It is a holy law, it is a just law, it is a true law. And if we tend, O oh God, to minimize the requirements of your law, we ask you would forgive us. If we know that your law is broad, it covers all parts of our lives. Lord God, where we have failed to overcome evil with good, we ask that you would forgive for the sake of Jesus Christ. Where we have harbored evil in our heart, where we have held grudges, even this morning, O oh God, bring us to confession. For you have held no grudges against us, but you have lavished your grace upon us in your Son, Christ Jesus. May that glorious truth encourage us to confession. Humble our hearts and reconcile us with those around us that we might truly overcome evil with the good that you give. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.